Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Recruitment Roundup podcast, which is brought to you by BMS Performance. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, BMS Performance is a specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy. For the last 30 years, we've been helping businesses across the UK recruit for vacancies at every level. Mike, good to see you this week. I'm really excited about this episode. Likewise, likewise, we are joined Good. by a guest. I'll let you introduce we, himself. We are, yeah, yeah, no, of course, for sure. So, been looking forward to this episode. Um, this guest and I go quite a long way back, so it's a pleasure to get one of my former uh, managers back during my time um, at Virgin Media Business. I'll let him introduce himself in a short while. Uh, but a very talented man, uh, very <laughs> passionate guy, um, talented in football, golf. Um, all these things, but also a really driven um, and high achieving sales leader. All right. So, um, Mark McCulloch, uh, the floor is yours, my friend. Good to see you. Mate. Um, Mike, absolute pleasure to be here. And um, I don't know what I need to pay stamp for that, but, but to somebody to put my golfing ability and talented in the same sentence, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged. No, look, it's, it's absolutely fantastic to be here. I'm um, I'm at a stage of now in my journey, my career, where um, it's excelling and I really yeah. want to be able to share some of my best practice and my journeys and, you know, as many mistakes as many positives have come out the last definitely 10 to 15 years in sales management. So yeah, really looking forward to it. 100% Mark, 100% Mark. And I think one of the real reasons why we were really excited to get you on is when we think about obviously your background and some of the types of teams that you've managed, um, you are one of the people that probably stands out within the marketplace that's been able to create a culture because a lot of the teams that you've managed have been remote. I think back to my time uh, when I was at Virgin Media Business and we were essentially like a you know a field-based team of individuals where there wasn't that opportunity to be in the office and what you really did, what you really did and what you created was a, was a culture, right? And um, a culture of success, um, an open and honest forum. So I think a lot of the conversation I would like would be to obviously to get into that um, as to how you've been able to, to, to really do that and imprint your, um, you know, your, your your way of thinking, your way of managing your, um, your attributes along that side. So um, yeah, Mark, if you want to give us maybe a bit of, a, of, of an overview on that, then we'll, we'll go into the, into the questions as we proceed. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Sam. I think... Um, yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I'm going to go away back here, and, you know, what feels like many, many years ago and actually quite a few pounds ago, and um, you'd be a professional <laughs> footballer. The only um, the only way that you get success is through a team. That is, a, as we yeah. all know, team, team sport. Uh, but the, the disciplines and the ethics that it taught me from accountability to time management to becoming obsessed with working on your project to delivering, and ultimately being judged on your performance, your three points or your sales, your sales number. Yeah. Because you know what? Irrespective of how good or weak that month is, you got to come back and do it all again. Got to come so back and do that. All these disciplines, and I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Didn't know, you know, straight from a kid from school, moved out of my parent yeah. house, straight to live with a different family in a different town. I yeah. didn't know any other way of life. So I was taught some real, and you're talking you know, mid to late 90s, if you can imagine the football manager mindset now, yeah. in, a, in a sales industry, it's an HR nightmare. Yeah. But yeah. That, that was a tactic that was used to get the best out of your people. So I, I, I became very quickly aligned to my skill set was actually people. Mm-hmm. Mm. So 
um, you know, the youngest ever captain for for the, the kind of youth side, youngest ever captain for the um, the under twenty one side, and into the reserves. And it was only because I I found my niche, and my niche was people yeah. to get the best out of the people on the pitch next to me, the best out of the people in the changing room, and understanding and, and monitoring a manager's behaviour. Yeah. That how could two people make the same mistake, and one person gets an arm around the shoulder? Another person gets a rollick and like you might never get a chance to make that mistake again. And when you understand the mindset and the psychology around that, you understand what good managers are. So, yeah, that 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 took me through. I was it was a long football career in terms of going from full time, where it was my only income, to mixing that in with part time and and doing it. But the disciplines were still the same, and and I took that I took that into it. First, from a personal point of view, when I was yeah. a salesperson, yeah. you know, from that that discipline of hard, yeah. cold calling, yeah. advertising, yeah. sales to mm. to going into yeah. going into management. So, yeah, that that's something I still live and breathe by today. Where would you say, Mark, that um, you might call it natural, but um, leadership skill like came from? It sounds like it developed through your football, but like where where do you think it came from that natural ability to to lead? I think um, uh, it's, it's a weird way to describe. But I always feel like I was an entertainer. Okay, yeah. So so you know my parents would always talk about this. If they they would maybe go as a kid, they would maybe go to a party and they would always sit in the outskirts watching in. But actually, were watching in because it was me that was in the middle. I was holding forums. I was holding coach. I was entertaining. I want, I wanted to be involved in it. So that and 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 again, you look at other things that are kind of linked to that of, of a really tight group of friends. And um, there's six yeah. of them. Um, I was best man at five of the weddings. Yeah. The sixth one I don't speak to now because he stopped me from getting a double hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've I've I've, I've always without. Uh, like, like there's a thin line between arrogance and confidence in there, but I was always confident yeah. enough to present myself, whatever that was. And ninety percent of the time, it was me. You're selling yourself first, um, and that's and that's something that's always been adhered to me. That's why when I when I look at leadership and I look at sales management, I turn a lot of it on its head. There is nothing worse for me to hear that anybody that's aligned to me and my team, if they would ever use the phrase that we're, we're in a big company where I'm just a number, it means I've not done my job right. Because it it can't just be a number. You will never get the loyalty, the dedication, as a longevity out of somebody with ability if they feel like they're just a number. Yeah, and that's awesome. something that's rolled right across yeah, my life. I, re- I really, really like that, Mark. Really, really inspiring. And I'm thinking back to a key thing that you said probably a couple of sentences ago. You probably touched on people, right? So I'm really intrigued just to find out because you spoke about your teammates, some good, some bad, um, which which can happen um, in a in a locker room environment, shall we say. But um, I'm really intrigued to how this transitions into the kinds of people and the kinds of characters that you would be looking for in your recruitment process as a as a sales leader today. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reality is a sales environment. Uh, a, and a person's inability to deliver against what their objective is, which normally is a you know if you look at a job role, there's many different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, and you do have companies where the criteria at the top is qualifications, experience, proven track record. Again, talking about my my mindset, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. 
how how well does that person come in and blend into my team, blend into that culture? How how willing is that person to um, to be obsessed with learning the role, be obsessed with being part of something that should be out with your mundane working hours? If you feel like you're in that environment, you're in the wrong team. So I'm always looking for people to contribute to a group. I should I should always be in a position where um, the team will support and fully function each other, irrespective of where they are in the country, yeah. and they want to want to do that. They've got to want to be able to do that and be that that accountability piece, that obsession with continuously development. If I get somebody that's in front of me with 20, 30 years experience and tells me that he doesn't need to go on a training course, he doesn't need a personal development plan, he's done it all, he's not the right person for me. If I've got a woman that comes to me and says that she wants to develop in this area, this area, this area, sex, age, race is nothing. If you want to develop and improve yourself, and I'm talking outside work-life balance as well, yeah. so it might be somebody that's got goals out, but I'm, I'm here from them from that. Sam, and I know we, we talked about this, but in order to get the most of the people, you do have to genuinely care. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, you know, we, we could count on, and, and Sam yeah. will be privy to that. It's genuinely that interest in what, why are you here? Yeah. There's always a why, especially mm. when you come in sales. Have you ever met anybody? And this is my opinion. These guys are recruit in the recruiting industry. You know, a bit me. Yeah, if anybody, if everybody ever comes to me and goes. I've always wanted to be a salesperson when I was yeah. a little kid at school, yeah. when my mate was an astronaut, my mate yeah. was a footballer, but I always wanted to be sales. They're already starting with a lie to me. So then I need to find out why. Yeah. Why is it why has yeah. it got to that? That's a really good point. And when I think about probably better for the audience, when I'm thinking about what that interview process could look like, right? Because it's so good and so refreshing to hear that the key thing that you are looking for is, you know, essentially soft skills, right? And you're looking to whittle out the weeds and the nonsense, which can happen within an interview process. So have you got, you know, pretty much an for the top line, you know, maybe a favorite two or three questions that you think are ones that you see as paramount to be able to to get you closer to that, that end goal that you think are or ones that you do yeah. system basis always I think I think there's always I'm trying to establish as soon yeah. as possible the why. Mm -hmm. Like why why are you here? Why are you willing to put yourself because I would always yeah. I always deliver the the job in worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. One one of my worst experiences ever was going for a job and told I had this type of leads infrastructure, I had yeah. this type of support <sighs> mechanism, this 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 company will deliver X amount across yeah. our sales rep. It turns out that one rep done it 10 yeah. years ago and he won one big deal that he'd never won again. Mm. So I was trying to paint the worst case scenario yeah. and then understand the body language as they engage, did they come back towards mm. me, did they sit back and then find out their why. It could be um, building a family, looking looking to retire in a certain period of time, moving on, starting their own yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to always unleash what we'd call the entrepreneurial uh, spirit within somebody mm -hmm. I, and, and I can use this anywhere I go yeah. I got to they've got to figure out that they're getting employed but actually they're running their own business so I need to understand how they would do that so I'm, all, I'm always figuring out and then when it gets to the real nitty gritty bit yeah. why are you doing it yeah. why are you doing it because a lot of people can talk us through yeah. This is my sales process. This is my strategy. Yeah. This is my objection handling. This is my goals. Yeah. But what happens when the doors move and the goalposts change? 
yeah. but I'm always finding that. And I, lo- I hope, I hope through that process, they talk me through real life experiences. Sure. You know, I don't, I don't need to vision of what the potential outcomes. They should be able to give me examples, and it might not always be work related. You know, mm. this is my challenge with my kids at school. This is my challenge when um, I was moving yeah. in their house and they got moved three or four times. How do you deal with that? How do you adjust? And how do you come with solutions? Yeah. So I, I always try and make it relatable to real life. You're talking there a lot. Mark. There's a there's a theme of accountability. There's a theme of a growth mindset going on. You know, they've got these issues, but what solutions do they um, find to cope with those situations? Um, yeah. Just going back to some of the things that you said at the beginning of the, of the episode about uh, describing yourself, you know, accountability, being obsessed, time management, disciplined. They're all the traits that you generally find in top performing salespeople. But I am curious, in an interview, how do you assess for accountability? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because there's a couple of different ways of, of looking at accountability. I I like to like to bring it back to maybe a previous role or a previous yeah. experience where where something didn't go to plan, at which stage are they accountable? And actually it is yeah. the departments that, you know, because it is very easy to blame everybody else, isn't it? it and is. at, some, yeah. at, at some stage you have to go take a step back. And the people that go yeah. out of maybe the two or three things that didn't go to plan, I should have been more accountable with this, but yeah. I need to support the next one. So I will always try and bring it back to a real life experience. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more about the obsessive piece. I genuinely and passionately think that you can't be the best at anything, whatever field it is, yeah. if there isn't some obsession. I look at myself and my career, and I was definitely obsessed in yeah. being the best, being top performer, um, and it's something that drives me. But I know firsthand that can be difficult to assess for in an interview. Mm-hmm. So again, how do you how do you weed out the people that? You can see you're going to be obsessed about success and then the ones that aren't because i think that'd be really good for listeners to hear about yeah look i think obsession uh, especially within the sales industry is, is probably demonstrating two things and that's it's earnings you yeah. know that that yeah. and then that um representation of being at the top yeah looking for that constant kind of recognition and because i've had some people where the recognition is more important than the reward when you get so far, it's, you know, I would rather be 150% and every newsletter than 175% and nobody talks to me about it. So, you know, I'm, I'm always understanding the motivators and yeah. talking about what's the outcome of that obsession. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, obs- I'm, obsessed with, I'm obsessed with making money. Okay, yeah. what does that mean if you get that? And give me two examples. So if you earn X and you earn Y, what's the two differences? This one gets me three three holidays a year. This one's one. But what does that mean? Impact family, life balance, career progression. That that for me, I can go, okay, I've got you. You're already thinking numbers and where you're going to go and yeah. what it means to be recognised at the top of the table, which we all love, right? If anybody, yeah. if anybody yeah, yeah, says no. to you, yeah, there's a league table, <laughs> but I don't really look where I am on it. But no, you do. And if you don't, again, you're in, you're in the wrong job. Wrong, yeah, yeah wrong absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not competitive with those sorts of things, then you're definitely not, not being in the wrong industry, etc. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, good stuff, Mark. So I'm obviously thinking back to where we are now in, in, in present terms. So at this time, you're managing a, a remote team, as you, as you do. So I'm really interested to find out what some of those challenges have been and how you've been able to 
maybe create that kind of culture to you know get everyone feeling um, involved and being able to contribute and perhaps be themselves you spoke about not worried about you know gender race sex ethnicity um, so what what challenges have you faced what are the challenges you face right now and what are the things that you've been able to implement to to alleviate those shall we say yeah i mean it's tough right i mean yeah obviously we'll, we'll move on to where i'm currently at but the last the last three years a national heavy sales for a, a for a mobile and, and technology company from you know from, had somebody in chiswick and somebody in aberdeen so remotely and, and collectively as a as a sales group it doesn't work right so you've got to find creative ways to bring them together um you know we we and this, this is some of the simplest things that you think of but you know they watch that groups and you know again and now sam i'll use that as an example yeah. we were doing that 10 years ago yeah no ne- never yeah. mind covid but all of a sudden you know if you look at actually that that chat's still alive yeah. now with, with, yeah. with 10 of the guys yeah. they've moved on to be married they've moved on to do different things but every now and then somebody will drop in and, and celebrate where we are so that yeah. became that became a business tool which was quite optional so now actually you built you build friends for life because you don't have to be part of that unless you want to be but mm. you use that same mechanism in business where you have to be able to have business conversation teams and, and everything like that is fantastic but being able to share challenges best practices at a touch of a, a whatsapp group is fantastic and it seems so small but actually sharing yeah. that type of good news bad news and different news and then the right times personal news to have that involvement you know that that contributed i think you um we shout we shout success which can always be done remotely we talk about elevating people within the business so that you know the tiniest of things i've got somebody right now and actually again sam somebody you know but you know sindiso probably i'll not name drop too many people yeah. but you know the kid, the kid is out um, driving business for for this, and he asked he asked to change his shift pattern from um, from nine from nine to five to he wanted to work eleven to seven. Absolutely no problem. I've got flexibility in that, but I'm always curious. You're always curious in your people. Why is that? And it turns out that um, he's travelling through to Glasgow to collect over a thousand football strips to shift back to South Africa for a charity to, to fund things. That's incredible. Now, the first thing that I do is I collect that and I share that with my business. Yeah. I need I need the, the customer service. I need the support. I need the tech yeah. team. I need each other. Yeah. We're hiring human beings. Yeah. Mm. They are not robots that either deliver a number or not. Look at what this person's done off their own back yeah. to support something that's close to their heart. That will help build morale, build yeah. acknowledgement. And we keep sharing good stuff yeah. like that. So we start the day, nothing to do with work. Yeah. We've got somebody that's doing charity work that's mm-hmm. phenomenal. You know, so it's always about being the forefront of leading that. If you are in a, an environment where you're a sales leader and you sit back in a session on performance and you're one-to-one individually, it's purely revolved around numbers and outcomes and your team meetings are purely around KPIs and metrics, you're going yeah. to eventually be in trouble and it might land yeah. on you without you knowing it because your people are what, and that's why I, I manage it that process i'm curious as well mark have you always had that um idea around remote sales management or with the things that you had to work on in the early days as a sales leader to develop to to that point to be able to create a, a culture and maintain it it's yeah a pretty big field based yeah and you learn from your mistakes don't you because when you get that first manager's job 
you are so obsessed with outcomes. So you almost subconsciously become a micromanager without actually realising it. You speak to somebody two or three times a day and then you sit and digest that and you go, they were all business-related calls. They were all, what's your pipeline? What's your activity? What's your outcomes? So you had to learn from your mistakes. And I lost a couple of good people, but I don't don't shy away from that. I think um, technology and the world has changed. So we had the shift from, you know, you think about when I was doing that, when I was on the field of my own, 2005, 2006, to where we are now, teams collaboration, even the chats, the way that emails are communicated now, the the dedicated meetings, you would maybe meet up once a quarter, and it was more of a celebration, and you only talked about the top people, nobody else got that. So yeah, I I learned a lot in that time period, what was required. Yeah, Mark, yeah, absolutely brilliant, Mark. And I really like the fact that you spoke about you're encouraging so almost a culture of sharing and shared experience. It's, it sounds like a family, isn't it? Really, you're almost creating like a um, an opportunity for people to, you know, similar to like I've got, you know, little twin sisters. You know, it's all about finding out about what's happening within their world alongside still being accountable for your job and being still results focused. And I think you, you know, I really like the fact that you spoke about. Um, not being wanting to be heard a certain type of way because if you're a sales leader and you're a sales manager if, if your message is always the same thing sales numbers pipeline all that sometimes that voice might get you know might turn to you know great on certain people depending on what the characters that you have on your team you know so mm-hmm. i really like that i'm i'm thinking now to because you, you're managing a field sales team and it's remote and i imagine there's going to be some people that need certain amounts of training depending what the levels could look like so do you want to maybe talk to us in the audience a bit about that and what that yeah. then looks like for you guys yeah uh, look again um what a brilliant question i actually had a full-blown debate we were in the senior leadership team were in and on wednesday and we got around strategy and people and and the topic came up of once you get to the right level and you've got time management do you give your time, do you get more out of your top 20%, 80%? Where, where do you shift your focus? And it's always, oh. or, and honestly, in, in a room of strong characters and people, there was yeah. there were so many different opinions. So we kind of reverted back to the will and skill piece. Okay. Do you know, okay. so if you've got, if you've got somebody with the will, right, and is on the right journey, so everything that you're, and at that stage, you're not judging that person on a sales performance. Yeah. You're judging that person on their will, their enthusiasm, that that obsession with learning and developing. You tend to give them that time to get them because you don't know you don't know what you could be unleashing something that nobody's ever seen before. Mm. And then at the same time, your top your top billers or your top performers that look very solo and independent, they still need to be encouraged, motivated, and monitored, don't you? So you've got to get that balance so right. I'm I'm a big big pusher on taking the diamond in the rough and getting them to superstars. I think when I look at definitely the last 10 years of management, I can go through every company and show you that I've taken someone from stage one to stage five. Most people only go once in their career before they move company. And I've got I've, I've taken someone from um, if you like a grade one to the yeah. same position as me. Yeah. I'm hard into my peers, sorry. And, I, and I've done it from people management programs because you could invest in them at the front end. So you've got to get the balance right of what's the development plan? What are they looking to achieve? What's their growth strategy? 
and how much are they invested? You know, I, I always talked about this relentless pipeline growth, no matter what industry you're in. You can only do that off your own back because you're getting you're doing so many things in a working day. So in order for you to invest in your me investing in you, you need to invest in yourself and be curious. Come and ask me questions, come and challenge the norm. What does that mean? There is nothing worse for a leader to sit and pre- present and just have a team of nodding dogs. Yeah. I'd stop I'd stop meeting again, Sam, you've been privy to this. Yeah. I would actually stop meetings halfway, get people to get up, change seat have a break and come back and challenge it. Because if if, I, if we're just going along with everybody in green, we're not getting anything out of the sessions. Yeah. So the more people, and there was never a stupid question. The question is, it becomes stupid if you ask the same thing six times in the day, then you're maybe we're not getting something to stick. So I needed, I needed that environment, I needed that feedback, and I needed to then decide what's the next 60, 90 days kind of growth plan. We'd always talk about short, medium and long term. Yeah. So how, how can I help you short term? Mm-hmm. What's our medium? And then long term. And yeah. most of the time, I'll be honest with you, yeah. most of the long term was to exit them out of business because I wanted them to p- progress and I only know I could take people so far. So yeah. after six months, after that kind of probation, I kind of shocked everybody. I went, yeah. right, how do I get how do I get rid of you now? People would just sit and stay at me and go, oh, what are you talking about? I've just passed probation. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, if I'm doing my job right, you're either moving up or you're moving out. So let's get that plan in place. And that was so important. And that's why now to this day, I could easily say 25% of the field that I've managed are in much senior positions or much happier life balance because they found a career that was right for them. So Mark, I'm really intrigued because you spoke about, you know, wanting to spot a diamond in the rough and really wanting to take someone through to, you know, it sounds like you're very invested in, in, in terms of people's careers. So my question probably is, where does that come from? And why do you think it's important? Because sounds like, you know, potentially other organizations, if someone isn't hitting those sort of key metrics right at the start, you know, these people tend to get left aside. But it sounds like you sort of draw towards that kind of profile in person. Yeah. Where does that come from? And why is that so important yeah. to you? So that, that, com- that comes from my, um, my, my life experience, Sam. So sure. that comes from bringing up. I've been given the opportunity to give a chance. You know, my, my father, God, I wouldn't even want to see how many hours I missed. He missed me growing up because he was providing yeah. for four of us. Yeah. Um, hard work, dedication, you know, a painting decorator to trade. I could see him coming at all hours. But in order for him to succeed, he needed to be given a chance. He needed he needed somebody to believe in him. He was only, you know, he was very young when he went into employment. When, when I finally took the step out of football. Um, I was six, seven years behind everybody else. There was no sales experience. There was no manager experience. There was nothing. So I needed somebody to give me a chance. So I knew once I did get that chance, and I went through many, many a failed interview, no experience, you've not got this, you've you not been to university. Why did I need university to make 300 calls a day to try and convince somebody that our marketing package would be, would be better than the one that they've got? And once I got that chance, um, the dedication and drive that I had. Failure just wasn't an option. Failure was, wasn't an option for me. So when I find that in somebody else, we go on that journey together. Yeah. And, and and that's just the reality of what I, I, you talk about and, and sometimes in the industry, and definitely the higher up you go, um, there's, a, there's a silver spoon element. 
people yeah. are so they're so they're so cut off from the front line. They're so cut off from the direct reports and management that they're so obsessed with managing up the way. It means nothing to me unless the people below you are happy and they're delivering. Fantastic, fantastic. Really like that. So. I think, Mark, you'll probably, um, Mike, you'll pay testament to this. I think at this time we're hearing a lot about, you know, burnout, fatigue in the ways of working and should people be working at home five days a week? Should people be, you know, I should have, a, should people have a split? What does that look like? So work-life balance is important is the point that I'm trying to get at. So what does that look like as a manager and how do you sort of, sort of encourage that and what, what's your opinion on it? It yeah, look, I, I'm a massive, massive ad, advocate of work-life balance, and I'm and I'm probably going to contradict myself because I probably work more hours than <laughs> anybody that my family's ever seen. Yeah. What I would say with that, and I, I was actually speaking to my boss about this yesterday, um, if I'm working at 6am on a Sunday before my key off time, if I'm working at 11 o'clock on a Monday night, that's choice. So yeah. that's that's the fund that if you ever feel like you're in a position, there's two things that can happen, right? If you can't do your job within your working hours, there's a problem there. And if you're working outside your working hours, it's got to be for the greater good for you. Nobody else should be able to dictate or manage that. My mindset is everything that I do without out with my working hours will benefit me and the family in the long run. So if I can get everybody's territory planned, if I can get their KPI sorted and I deliver it out on Sunday at 10 o'clock at night, do you know what? I can start my day normal on a yeah. Monday. And maybe, you know, so it's got to be on choice. You should never be in a position where the only way I can do my job if I'm working weekends, extra yeah. hours, then, then, then you need a coach and you need support. And that's what my guys would come to me for and go, look, either I'm behind the curve or this is too much and, and we delegate and manage that. But you've got yeah. to give people confidence to be able to approach you to do that. I couldn't agree it's more. It's a tough conversation, sing, isn't it? Sing from the same hymn sheet completely yeah. on, on that. Mm. Um, it's always been something that I've done as well through choice and for exactly the same reasons that you have, Mark. But how would you give people the confidence to come and have that conversation with you? It, it's got to be... Uh, it's got to be a relationship thing first. You know, you, I, again, and, and I use my life experience, there's actually managers that can tell you a way of how they manage, and there's actually a way of managers that do it. Mm. So I live, I, live, I live and breathe my morals. I live and breathe my non-negotiables. So I show them firsthand. I also showcase it when I do something that's, when I do something that I feel is a benefit to a team, I, give, I then give that team member an option. Look, what we did here was really beneficial to you. We've now reduced your workload. We've now done X, Y, and Z. I would like to share that with the team and show them the outcomes. Yeah. And and they should be in a comfortable position. Go absolutely. And normally, what happens? They go, well, do you know what? Such and such might have not wanted to mention it to you. They're fairly new, but they were also struggling with it. So, if you deliver it this way, we can actually do the CRM. We're saving half an hour every day, two and a half hours a week. We've got ten hours back a month. You deliver it over ten people. All of a sudden, you've got hundred hours working. Yeah. Back. It doesn't take much. You've just said the word non-negotiables. I'd love to know what yours are as a sales leader. <laughs> we talk about so, this a lot, yeah. generally. Yeah, no, it, it's something that's math, massive for me. So I, nearly everybody that meets me will will hear the phrase, do, do not take my um, my kindness as weakness. Um, I am so, I'm so flexible. I'm so desperate for them to unleash their entrepreneurial mm. uh, position. 
that I will let them almost run that business as themselves, but there's a thin line. Mm-hmm. And then when I finish that sentence, I go, but there is three non-negotiables. You've got to be accountable. You've got to, there's a certain parts, you know, control the controllables. Yeah. A certain part that you've got to be accountable for. You've got to be obsessed with willing to keep learning. Do not, and I've mentioned this earlier, do yeah. not tell me you're the finished article. Do not tell me you don't need support, training, development. You've got to do that. And you've got to be humble. You've got to be humble to sit on my team. I expect every customer, the um, the cleaner, the taxi driver, the CEO, I expect them to see, see the same version of you. Polite, honourable, represent yourself before you represent anybody else and be humble and be grateful for where you are. And that will take them, if they take the three yeah. through life, not just work, they're set up in a much stronger position. It's really good. Really like those three non-negotiables, Mark. Um, Mark, you're probably someone that obviously I look up to on the back of when I started my journey within sales. And um, I'm really interested to find out, you know, what, you know, maybe tips you might have to share um, for, you know, maybe someone who's looking to embark either their first, make that move into sales for the first time, um, or, you know, someone who's potentially curious. So what advice would you give someone who's looking to maybe A, get into sales for the first time, or B, you know, maybe get into sort of your industry, what what you think someone would, yeah, any tips that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, so sales still comes with the stigma, don't we? We still see this, um, yeah. I actually think there was a series launched, almost a comedy sketch not that long ago, and it, and it talks about somebody selling windows. They come up to the door, they pour honey in your ears, they tell you everything that you want to hear and deliver on nothing. And that sometimes um, puts people's perspective on what an actual salesperson does. You know, you think about it, you break down, you break down a salesperson's day, week, or month, right? It's a real high-end, intelligent job. Yeah. From from planning to negotiating to objection handling to presentation, you know, you've got some key attributes there that you could take in any walk of life. You you go and speak to a doctor, you go and speak to a driving instructor, and you speak to a lawyer. Ask them what they do. They've got to get the time management right. They've got to get the customer, the client base, the patient right. They've got to get the diagnosis right first time and what they need, and then they've got to have an outcome out of it. So when we bring people on that kind of mindset and then we talk about the potential earnings, you know, again, let's bring up UK's top earners, doctors, lawyers, solicitors. Salesmen doing their job and exceeding their job will be in the top 10% earners. So let's see if we can unleash some motivation for money. There's people that are earning money that they could not, that will not ever earn that in any other industry. Yeah. So I... I want I want people to take a step into sales and understand that this should lead them to becoming an entrepreneur. Naturally, if you do this the right way, there'll be nothing to stop you developing your own business, growing your own brand, and being able to take all the objections, the step backs, the knockdowns, the time, the roller coaster. Yeah, you know, I'll. And there was a great conversation with lots of celebrities around the table and they talk about um, it will pass. Yeah. Everything mm. that you do will pass. So when you're at the best and you think you're untouchable and nothing can go wrong, yeah. something will catch you out. And when you're at the bottom and the sales don't land and the customer changes their mind and something doesn't get installed, some, and stuff that you feel you're not in control of, that will pass. Yeah. So let's get the roller coaster out of there. Let's just get that nice steady incline 
yeah. to where that takes you. Yeah, Mark, I feel really passionate about that. I feel like there's almost sort of like a negative kind of stereotype or connotation, particularly maybe in this country, especially. I feel like the Americans probably look at it a bit different. I feel like mm-hmm. if someone says anything regarding sales, my personal opinion, I'm just like you work in sales. Everyone's like, oh, sales, you know, and yeah. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's such a shame, really. And I think we've definitely got ways to go. I would be big in terms of encouraging, you know, creating opportunities within university. There's no real sort of course or until you get an actual job you know so um i feel very passionate about this topic um while i'm thinking about that are there any sort of qualities that you know you think um are essential for success within within the field i know you've given us your non-negotiables what, what qualities yeah. do you think would are, are essential for yeah, success so, so, so the things that, that you know that resilience that that resilience that desire that competitive edge Again, a lot of stuff that everybody can um, mm. associate with. You, you've got to have a real, a real driver in that. You've got to be ready to be challenged, and you've got to be ready to challenge. You know, yeah. from, from a from a frontline point of view, that's so important because not every day, the perk of the job is not every every two days are the same. One of the biggest challenges in the job, not every two days is the same. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, so that's you've got to be ready to adapt and adapt. I mean, you have that best day, you go, it's going to be tough tomorrow. Yeah. And when you have that tough day, you go, it's going to be tough tomorrow. So that that's that resilience and that mindset to be able to deliver that and overcome that. If you do it, you can talk about it in life and then you relay yeah. that back to that and go, okay, so my, my job. And that's, and that's at the front line, my personal opinion, and again, I've yet to see this in any company anywhere. But how do you, how do you coach and train and support leaders that might not have all the the life skills or life experience to deal with being a leader? So sometimes when I'm looking at taking someone from a salesperson to a leader, I, I, I you know, I often say to them, "Are you ready to be a psychologist, a counsellor, yeah. a social worker, uh, an NHS expert?" Because that no 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 sales business ever teaches you that. No. And I got flung I got flung in the deep end when I first started this, and I was getting you know going going through a divorce, going through addiction, and you know you kind of go, wow wow, there, yeah. there's no I've gone through all my manuals. I'm going right, let's go back <laughs> ten much. years. No KPIs, KPIs, yeah. performance relation, um, how to personal develop, smart objectives. There's nothing about two your guys are going through a divorce. There's nothing yeah. to go about. Um, you know, pregnancy and how you manage with that emotional part, the human element of life. There's nothing to show you that. So you've got yeah. to learn life skills really quick. Um, you've, you've literally taken the next question I was going to ask. Uh, <laughs> my next point was going to be that, you know, you, you've, you've clearly um, got great passion for people development. Um, I love the fact that your approach is I'm going to develop you to the point whereby you're going to either move up or move out which is great and it's why people have been so invested and bought into you and you've been able to retain such great relationships even when people have left but I think there's there's definitely a stigma isn't there that the best salespeople don't make good managers and in some mm-hmm. cases it can be true but I don't always subscribe to that view I think the best salespeople should be able to make good managers um, because they've clearly achieved success in what they're doing and therefore should be able to replicate that within a team. I think the problem is the best salespeople don't get the best training to become 
the right managers. So you've just touched on it there, Mark. But what advice would you give to sales professionals that are looking to move into sales management? Just as a point to wrap up on, because I appreciate we've, we've nearly been on now, haven't we? For, for, yeah. for the time it's flown. But I think this would be a really good point to, to close on. Yeah, I, I think from a from a, a high-performing sales professional or a sales professional that does yeah. the, the core components of the job and reliable and trustworthy, again, it goes back to the why. Why Why do you want to? Because there's no point in you trying to force a top performer in a management position. Absolutely. Because you will, not, you will not get the full investment. So you've got to find out what's the reason for their decision to make that next step. And then work back to the development, the gaps areas, if you like, to what needs to be worked on and focused on first. What what sometimes you do have a, a challenge with a company is, and this is where employees can be felt like a number, you're actually sometimes punished for being too good a performer because that risk of moving you into a management that could take you away yeah. from your number. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. it's such a dinosaur, old-school terminology, but in fact, we, we witness and breathe it every day. So actually sometimes you're punished for your for your performance in a negative way whereas the bigger picture is let's see if we can take that not make 10 versions of the superstar but give them all little bit of pieces of gold that can let them develop because if you can get marginal gains on the 10 heads that'll always outperform what that one person does yeah so you've got you've got to understand the why they're ready to move into that and then you work back through the through the process so yeah. Really, really, really good point, Mark. And um, am I right in assuming you just started a new venture, a new job? Do you want to tell our audience about yes. what's happening in your world? And yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful way to end. So uh, a lot of this is around people and management, and um, you know, a rocky, rocky period after the um, the COVID situation, and a lot of people found themselves in a, in a weird environment, and. I, I struggled to settle. I had a couple of different roles and, and I'm not going to the brands, but I needed to find something that was home. Um, you know, I found that with with the Radius and, and that UK's fuel group. I had, um, I had a phenomenal leader in there and someone called David Hayward who had a great industry knowledge, very light mindset to revolve around people. But ultimately, um, one of my, who now again is my, my new boss for the fourth time, um, yeah, Akbar Anwar came to me. He's now the the chief sales officer at, at Cuckoo, and yeah. we're in the middle of bringing you know a massive project nationally, mm-hmm. um, for the residential space for broadband. Sure. But um, I, th- I think the reason I bring Akbar up is um, I was inspired and motivated by him 15 years ago, yeah. and I still am to this day. So I never I never took the job based on or pay or current format. I took the job to be around a manager that I trust yeah, and develop, sure. and he gives me a poetic license to be me, yeah. and that there's no money that I can put on that. Yeah. So that opportunity to work with him and develop something from the ground up again is something that sparked a real drive for me, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that the Cuckoo brand will be growing across Sorry. the UK at residential doors. Exciting times ahead. Where can the people find you, Mark? So yeah, I'm available on LinkedIn. If anybody's got any key questions, and um, you know, they can find me on there at LinkedIn. Most yeah. most social media platforms. Yeah. Um, and I'm available. I would look. I would love to be nothing more for me. And some people, some think there's an underlying this. I would love a stranger to reach out to me and go, 
I've got this challenge at my work. I would like to do this step in my career. Yeah. That mentoring, that mentoring shit that I've done, I feel like I could offer more, but I can only mm. do it to the people that are aligned to me. I can't go out and find strangers and go. So, yeah. a, ha- a hand on heart offer here to anybody that's looking for something. Um, I'll help you progress. Life, life or um, career, maybe both. Um, it's an open invitation. Brilliant. Brilliant. Really nice way to round it off. Mark, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to you know, catch up with you and yeah, wishing you um, all the best for the year and years ahead. And yeah, I can thank you. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity that you gave me those years ago. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Awesome. Extremely grateful, Mark. Thanks for your time. And thank you everyone for listening. Hope this episode has brought a lot of value to the audience. We covered so many subjects there, Mark. And it was no, thank you for illuminating your experience i thought it was great so thanks everyone and um yeah we will be back with another episode next week